Welcome to our teaching today, where Christ's Word is the center of our world. We are about to listen to the undiluted Word of God from the throne of grace with Pastor Philip Ransom Bello. And what I want to show you is what is the essence of grace? Do you understand what I'm saying? Why grace? Because when you look at the way God has ordered, I mean, his dealings with us, it is a function of grace. So the question is, why grace? You know, when I listen to a lot of people preach, I hear them castigate grace preachers. And they have made us look like we belong to a cult. Those people where they preach grace. Have, have you heard something like that before? So there is a persecution over pastors, over people who are preaching grace. And they feel that they don't really understand the message, actually. And this is me speaking in their defense now. Because they are hearing what we are not saying. What they are hearing is that, is that Reverend Bello? Ah, ah, Reverend Bello made it again. Uh, no, please, let's, let's clap. Let's clap for Reverend Bello. Reverend Bello, please come. Please come forward. Keep clapping until he gets here. Keep clapping until he gets here. Peter, help me. This is my big brother, man. This might be, keep clapping for, come on, clap for him like you know him, you love him. Yeah, praise God. Somebody say grace. Are you guys doing all right? Are we doing all right? Fantastic. So, if you read the book of Galatians, you will see where the Bible says that the child of the bond woman is persecuting the child of the free woman. Who has seen that scripture before? You remember Abraham who got into Haggai and then she gave birth to Ishmael. Then after a while, Abraham had a child called Isaac with Sarah. There was a time Ishmael was persecuting Isaac. So the child of the bond woman, okay, was persecuting the child of the free woman. So that's what it is today when you see people persecuting the message of the gospel. From the beginning when the gospel was preached, even Paul knew that he was persecuted because of the message. That's why he said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is what the power of God. Let me tell you the truth. What the masses want to hear is not the gospel. What the masses want to hear is what they can do to please God. What, what they can do to wield the hand of God or to make God stand in favor of them. They are trying to seem as though what they do will change God's disposition towards them. So, that's what the masses love. And you know, if someone tells you that if you do this, you do this, because you already have faith in your works right from when you were small. Because you were built and you are wired to do things and to see results from the things that you do. If they tell you that when you do this, you do this, you will believe that person. So that's why the message of the gospel is not finding um, that sense of appeal with a lot of people. But you know what we thank God for? 
this gospel in the last 10 years, especially in the church in Nigeria, has gained expression that right now, in many corners, many hidden places, the gospel is being preached in places. So the gospel is actually spreading. There was a day I went somewhere, I can't remember where it was. Um, Nate, where is that place where we went to see our cousins when they had the eh? Pape. Rambelo was there, Pape. We went inside, Pape was a lungu inside. And then I saw one church, one church. The church wasn't as big as this whole, whole place. And the pastor was preaching powerfully. God is not counting your sins against you. I said, wow, in this place, it means this gospel is spreading. I said, thank God. So a lot of people don't really understand grace. But I'm going to show you today why grace. And if you're going to see the essence of grace, you must understand why he gave the law. Are you following this? So let's begin our journey. First, I mean, John chapter 1 and verse 16. John chapter 1 and verse 16. John chapter 1 and verse 16. And of his fullness, we have all, somebody say all received. Are we ready for the word today? Can I take you on a stretch? We'll soon close, don't worry. But let's just go on a word stretch right now. And of his fullness, we have all received and grace for grace. Then verse 17. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. This verse already tells you the inferiority of the law and the superiority of grace. That one is by a middle man and another one is direct. So it says for the law, it now places the grace of God in contrast with the law. It says for the law was given through Moses, but grace, somebody said but grace. But grace and truth came up through Jesus Christ. So, to understand the gospel of the grace of God, we're going to explore the reason why God gave the law. Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 7. Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 7. For if that first covenant had been faultless, then no place would have been sought for a second. So how many covenants are we looking at here? Two covenants. The first covenant is the first one. The second is the one that is not faultless. The first one was faultless. Then look at verse, look at verse 8. Let's keep reading. Let me open it here. All right. Because finding fault with them, he says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, where I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Next verse. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. Because they did not continue in my covenant and I disregarded them, says the Lord. Next verse. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house Okay, of Israel after those days, says the Lord, I will put my laws in their hearts or in their minds and write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be what my people. Next verse None of them shall teach his neighbor, and none his brother say, Know the Lord, for all shall know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them. Number 12, verse 12 For I will be merciful. This is the new covenant now. I will be what? 
merciful to what? Their unrighteousness and their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. This is the new covenant. This is the new covenant. Next verse. In that says, this is the last verse, in that says, a new covenant he has made the first obsolete. Now, what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. So the law, which is the old covenant, there were problems with that law. That's the reason for grace. So when we preach the grace of God, we are preaching because God has done away with the first and with the old covenant. So God found fault. Somebody say God found fault. He found fault with the first covenant or with the old covenant. And this fault he found was because there was a faithfulness problem. I'm going to show you that. There was a faithfulness problem. It was flawless. Now, listen to this. The law was flawless, but we were flawed. The law was flawless, but we were flawed. The law is holy, but the problem is that that holy law cannot find expression through us. So I'm going to give you three facts about the law. I'll run through that. Three facts about the law. There are many things, but three facts about the law. Number one, the law is holy. This law we're talking about is a holy law. Romans chapter 7 and verse 12. So there is actually nothing wrong about the law. But the problem with the law is that the agreement is not working. Because as holy as the law is, the law cannot work with an imperfect person. The law needs perfect people to work with. But we are not perfect. So the law cannot work. So that's why God found fault with the first agreement. Now it says, therefore the law is holy and the commandment holy and just and good. So say with me, the law is good. Say it louder. Say the law is good. The law is holy. All right. So this is number one fact about the law. Number two fact is that the law is a curse. It's holy, but it's a curse. And I'll show you why it's a curse. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 10. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 10. The law is a curse. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. If you say you want to do to be righteous, then you are under a curse. Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 25. Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 25. Let me show you that. It says, then it will be righteousness for us. Now, this is the children of Israel now, not you. But this is the truth of Israel. Then it will be righteousness for us if we are careful to observe all these commandments before the Lord our God as he commanded us. So now, what gives you righteousness is when you are careful to observe all these commandments. So the righteousness under the law was based on the premise of the people doing the commandments to attain a state of righteousness. So if you contrast this righteousness under the law and the righteousness under the grace of God, you will see in Romans chapter 5 and verse 17 that if by one man's offense death reigned through one man, how much more shall we who have received the gift of righteousness and the abundance of grace which shall reign in life. So we're saying to you right now that under the grace of God, 
You are not doing anything to be given the status of righteousness. What God has done for you is that he has given you Christ and your faith in Christ bestows upon you a state of righteousness. That when you put faith in Christ, then you are righteous. So the law is a curse. Back to uh, Galatians chapter 3 and verse 10. The law is a curse. Why is the law a curse? Because for it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue in what? All things which are written in the book of the law to what? Now it is said to believe them, but to do them. So the Bible here is saying that it is a curse, not because the law is bad, because we just read that the law is holy, but it is a curse because you can't do all of them. You must break one. You must falter in one. But God, in his infinite mercy, has given us the gift of righteousness because Christ has fulfilled that law for you and I. And that's the benefit that we share. So this is the purpose of grace. When we are preaching grace, you must have an understanding that the Jews were under the law before and could not please God because they could not keep the law. They could not please God. And they could never attain the state of righteousness. So this law is a curse. That's why, you know, I, 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 I feel for people who think that after they get saved, God is going to judge what they do to get to heaven. I feel for people who have that mentality. Because if you did not get saved by what you did, then how can you go to heaven by what you did or by what you do? If he know, if he, he who knew no sin, he made him to be sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Then I used to ask this question, what did Jesus do to be made sin? Jesus who was holy and perfect, what did he do? He did nothing. But the Bible says God made him sin. God didn't make Jesus the sinner, but God made Jesus sin. God didn't make Jesus, God didn't make Jesus the adulterer, but he made Jesus adultery. God didn't make Jesus the liar because he never told any lie, but he made Jesus lie. He didn't make Jesus the sinner, but he made Jesus sin. Now, he made him a sin. He made Jesus sin. Now, in the same vein, that's 2 Corinthians 5.21. In the same vein, God, you did not do anything for God to make you righteous. You are made righteous because you put faith in Christ. You know, sometimes the devil poisons your voice because you have lost consciousness of your righteousness. You're not bold as you're supposed to be, bold, to be bold. The Bible says that the righteous are as bold as a lion. Believers have lost their voices because there is condemnation working in their lives. Do you know this is your operational principle as a believer? This understanding of righteousness. <laughs> when you know who you are, you are the righteousness of God in Christ. It's your operational power. So it's a curse. Why is it a curse? Because you can't do all of it. <laughs> you can't. Number three, the Lord doesn't save us. Look at the next verse, verse 11. The Lord cannot save anybody. The Lord cannot save anybody. But that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God. 
but that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident for the just shall what? Live by faith. So nobody can be saved by the law. It is impossible. That's why we preach the grace of God. We're not preaching the grace of God because we're telling people to go ahead and do what you want to do. That's what a lot of people are hearing. But that's not the message of the grace of God. The message of the grace of God is saying Christ has done it all and because of what he has done, it is an expression of God's love to you. It is that love that makes you please God. That's what we're saying. Somebody say amen. Amen. So the law cannot save anybody. Now, think about it. God gave the law to the children of Israel. How is it that this law he gave for many years and many decades, he knew that this law could not save them, but he still gave them. Why did God give them the law? Are you following this now? Why did God give them the law? So let me show you the purpose of the law. Number one, the purpose of the law is to reveal sin. The purpose of the law is to reveal sin. It is to make sin visible. That's the purpose of the law. If you put instructions in your house, it is when people break the instructions, that's when it will be obvious that someone is transgressing. But if there are no laws in your house, people can do anything and you will not call anyone a transgressor. So, the law is only amplifying and making sin visible. Romans chapter 3 and verse 20. Romans chapter 3 and verse 20 says, Therefore by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. Now, look at this next phrase. For by the law, no, we're still in verse 20. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. So what the law does is that it exposes sin to you. If you want to be conscious of the law, you will find out that you are even falling a victim of the law more. It is better to be conscious of your righteousness than to be conscious of thou shall not. Because what makes you be is a life that is coming from the expression of a nature. You cannot teach a woman how to be a woman with so much of effort as if to say she was not a woman. She's going to effortlessly live and be a woman. <laughs> Maybe not in this generation. So the point is that it is easier when something is, is coming from a nature. So the Bible here says that for by the law is the knowledge of sin. The purpose of the law was to make sin visible. This is powerful. Look at Galatians 3 verse 19. What purpose then does the law serve? If the law is to make sin visible, then what's the purpose of the law? The Bible says it was added because of transgressions. Oh, hallelujah. The law was added. Somebody say added. The law was not the plan before. The law was added. What now? Question is, what was the law added to? The law was added to a promise. God gave Abraham a promise. If you read this Galatians chapter 3 from verse 1 or from verse maybe 4 all the way down, you see that God gave Abraham a promise. But just to show 
that the fulfillment of that promise will not be by your working or by efforts. The fulfillment of that promise will be by faith. God added the law so that the people or the great-grandchildren of Abraham who would receive the law will be guided in their transgressions to Christ. So the purpose of the law was to be a guide for people who were in transgressions. I don't know if I'm making sense. The purpose of the law was to say, let's read the, um, let me see the message version of what this says, if you have it. The purpose of the law was to say that people who are in transgressions are guided by a law. That law is not the fulfillment of the promise. But that law is only a guide to the promise. So, look at it. It says, the purpose of the law was to keep a sinful people in the way of salvation until Christ the descendant came, inheriting the promises and distributing them to us. Obviously, this law was not a first-hand encounter with God, inferiority of the law. It means that the law was by a middleman. The first-hand encounter of God's grace was God, Jesus Christ. Was God in the person of Jesus Christ. But the law came through a mediator. The Bible speaks of through the hands of angels. Are you getting this now? So it says it was arranged by angelic messengers through a middleman, Moses. So the purpose of the law, number one, is to reveal sin. The visibility of sin. Oh, hallelujah. Do you know that it is when you prescribe a medication to someone and the person does not take the medication that's when you that's when you birth rebellion I'm trying to use how many of you have been given medication by a doctor and you don't follow the prescription you forget they say we doctors are the worst patients ever now that's that's forgetting to take your dose at that particular time is because there was already a there was a prescription and you forgetting highlights a rebellion inside of you that you would never have known if there was no prescription in the first place. Do you understand what I'm saying? Okay, so you will never know even though you are not feeling well. You may never know that you can rebel towards something that will make you feel better until they give you prescription. Then when you break the prescription, that's when you now know that rebellion is inside of you. So God is now saying that there is death. There is Adam has sinned and everybody is born in the likeness of Adam. But that rebellion is not spelt out as transgression yet. So God help me. How do I explain this? Adam sins. The people who were born under Adam did not commit the exact same sin Adam committed. But they are suffering the consequence of Adam. So Adam is in rebellion. He's in transgression. But the people who were born after Adam are not necessarily transgressing because God did not give them the commandment not to eat the fruit. It was Adam God gave. But there is death reigning between Adam and everybody who is born after Adam. So God is now saying that when I give the law, I will bring out rebellion from the children of Adam. So that when the law is given, you will see that every child of Adam has the propensity to rebel. Are you getting this? 
God is trying to highlight that there is a problem with the human being. Because it's not only Adam. Some of you are saying, I didn't eat the fruit. Why God, they punish me. But God is saying that you have the nature to rebel and I'm going to prove it to you and I will give you a law to keep. And when you realize that you cannot keep the law, you will see that you are just like Adam, your father. Go back to um, Romans chapter 5 and from verse 7. Romans chapter 5. Use the message version. Romans chapter 5 and verse 7. Very quickly. He said, we can understand someone dying for a person worth dying for. And we can understand how someone good and noble could inspire us to selfless sacrifice. But God put his love on the line for us by offering his son in sacrificial death while we were of no use whatever to him. Next verse. Now move to the next verse. Move, move, to, move to verse 10. If when we were at worst, we were put on friends or friendly terms with God by the sacrificial death of his son, now that we are at our best, just think of how our lives will expand and deepen by means of his resurrection life. Ooh, that's powerful. It says, now that we have actually received this amazing friendship with God, we are no longer content to simply say, say it in podding prose. We sing and shout our praises to God through Jesus the Messiah. That's why you sing. Verse 12. Now, it says, you know the story of how Adam landed us in the dilemma we're in. That's first sin now, okay? Then death. Now, look at this. It says, Adam committed a sin, transgression. Everybody born after Adam, death. But not sin, no, but death. Not sin because there was no law. So, after Adam, death. And no one exempt from either sin or death. That is Adam's sin or death. That sin disturbed relations with God in everything and everyone. But the extent of the disturbance was not clear until God spelled it out in detail to Moses. Are you seeing what I'm showing you? God spelled it out in detail to Moses. So, death, this huge abyss separating us from God, dominated the landscape from Adam to Moses. Why Moses? Because Moses whom the law came to. So it says from Adam to Moses, okay? Even those who didn't sin precisely as Adam did by disobeying a specific command of God still had to experience this termination of life. This thing is called death. Now look at this. This separation from God. But Adam, who got us into this, also points ahead to the one who will get us out. <laughs> Verse 15. Yet, the rescuing gift is not exactly parallel to the death-dealing sin. If one man's sin put crowds of people at the dead-end abyss of separation from God, just think what God's gift poured through one man, Jesus Christ, will do. There is no comparison between the death-dealing sin and this generous life-giving gift. The verdict on that one sin was the death sentence. That's Adam's sin. The verdict on the many sins that followed was this wonderful life sentence. The verdict on Jesus was a life sentence. The verdict on Adam was a death sentence. 
Are you seeing this now? Verse 17 now. If death got the upper hand through one man's wrongdoing, can you imagine the break, the breathtaking recovery life makes? Sovereign life in those who grasp with both hands this widely extravagant life gift, this grand setting everything right that the one man Jesus Christ provides. Hmm. Here is the nutshell. Just as one person did it wrong and got us into all this trouble with sin and death, another person did it right and got us out of it. But more than just getting us out of trouble, he got us into life. He got us into life. This is the grace of God. He got, so you are not just a forgiving sinner. You are being, you are being given the life of God. Who? No wonder the Bible speaks of the fact that he who has the son has life. Amazing message. So the purpose of sin, okay, the purpose of the law is to expose sin, is to make sin visible. Now, do you know that the law doesn't only make sin visible, the law also increases sin. The law also increases sin. I'm wrapping up now. Romans chapter 5 and verse 20. Romans chapter 5 verse 20. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. You know what something to abound means? It means that it will increase. So the law entered so that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace abounded. So you can always see the contrast between the law and grace. Romans chapter 7 verse 5. Romans chapter 7 and verse 5. For when we were in the flesh, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit to death. Look at the message version. Let's see the message version. For as long as we lived that old way of life, that's the law, doing whatever we felt we could get away with, sin was calling most of the shots as the old law code hemmed us in. So, the law did not only make sin visible, it also increased sin. If you want to live under the law, you would, you would increase sin in your life. But we thank God for grace. Somebody said, we thank God for the grace of God. Another purpose of the law is to point us to Jesus. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 24. To point us to Jesus. Galatians 3 and verse 24. The law was like those Greek tutors with which you are familiar who escort children to school and protect them from danger or destruction making sure the children will really get to the place they set out for use the King James Version that one has plenty grammar use the King James it says therefore the law was our tutor to bring us what to Christ that we might be justified by faith the real meaning of the Joshua live by faith is saying that you are justified by faith. That's what it means. The Joshua live by faith does not mean breaking every chains by faith or breaking generational curses by faith. The real meaning of the Joshua live by faith is that you are justified by faith. Hallelujah. So this is the purpose of the law. But because of Jesus' death, 
burial and resurrection knowing that we could not get out of a system that was bound to kill us Christ has become the end of the law and when you put faith in Christ you are given the righteousness the free gift of righteousness this is the good news of Jesus Christ this is the reason why we preach the grace of God some people tell me they say Pastor Phil let me tell you the truth there are grace preachers there are kingdom preachers there are I have a calling for there are church preachers there are listen to me if you are preaching after the death of Jesus you are supposed to be a grace preacher because on what, on what ground are you preaching on what ground is your faith hinging on it must be the death the burial and the resurrection of Christ so there is nothing like grace is not a message grace is the totality of what God has done for us are you getting it? it's not a topic grace is not a topic it's a grace preachers grace believers grace is not a topic grace is what Christ did for us in the expression of God's love to us that's what grace is and I pray that the revelation of this message will rest deeply in your heart ah no God is good whenever I think about this there is exuberant joy and praise that wells up from my inside because of what Christ has done for us because of who we are in Christ so why the grace of God the grace of God is because the law could not give you righteousness but you've attained righteousness by faith that's why we preach the grace of God God has loved us holy law but imperfect in his working through you because of the flesh says that the law was weak through the flesh Romans chapter 8 but we thank God for the spirit of life that is at work in us we thank God for the workings of the grace of God we thank God for the gospel of Jesus Christ Acts chapter 20 last verse Acts chapter 20 and verse 24 let me show you that Acts chapter 20 you will see that the grace of God is actually the gospel Acts chapter 20 and verse 24 Acts chapter 20 and verse 24 yeah, it says, but none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. So the gospel is the grace of God. The grace of God is the gospel. Somebody say hallelujah. So I pray in the name of Jesus that this revelation will sit strong in your spirit. You would grow in this understanding. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. You would understand the reason why Christ came. You would know that Christ was not tired, but he gave his life up for you. And it was the giving up of his life that brought about your redemption. We thank God for the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. For the Bible says God demonstrates his love towards us in that while we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. He died for us. He died for us. He died for us. Paul said something that I preach Christ and him crucified. That is our message. And that is what we build our faith on. We know that we are loved because of what Christ did for us on the cross of Calvary. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for these things that you've done. We give you all the praise. We give you all the glory. 
for in Jesus name we pray. Amen. Clap your hands and give God the praise. Oh, hallelujah. So if anybody challenges your theology, just take them through the scripture and show them why you don't, you know, you no longer live under the law, but you live under the grace of God. You can't be saved by the law. You cannot. So comments like if you don't pay your tithe, you don't give, you don't forgive, you won't go to heaven. I hope you see that that does not make sense because it is nothing and it's not anything that you do that makes you go to heaven. If how you really test the knowledge of someone who understands the grace of God is when you ask the person what is your qualification for heaven. Then when you hear what the person says, that's when you know where the person stands. If someone still believes that anything you do can stop you from going to heaven or make you go to hell, the person doesn't understand the grace of God. So the grace of God is saying that it is faith in Christ only. Somebody say faith in Christ. It is faith in Christ. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness. With the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's faith in Christ that guarantees you're going to heaven. Not anything else. Hallelujah. Let's give to the Lord today and we thank God for a beautiful um, gospel festival that he has brought our way. What a mighty, mighty, mighty celebration of his love. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening and for more information about the Standpoint Church, visit our social media platform on www.facebook.com slash standpointabj, twitter.com slash standpointabj, instagram.com slash standpointabj, and on soundcloud.com slash standpointabj.